engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. All right, everyone. I want you to picture this. You just traveled out of state, maybe across the country, for an awesome elk hunt. Hunted hard. And now you got to bull down. You pat yourself on the back and now you realize, hmm, now what? Because traveling with a boatload of meat can honestly be a logistical nightmare, especially if you haven't thought ahead of time. So this week is all about traveling hunter and meat care. Maybe you're headed out west for a hunt for deer, antelope, elk, maybe flying into a remote hunt in Alaska somewhere, or just driving across the state you live in for a special draw tag. I'm going to share my foolproof methodology to literally bringing home the bacon and break down traveling hunter meat care logistics. But before we do that, let's head down to old Mexico for a story of Murphy and the traveling buffalo. If you've hunted long enough or pretty much done anything with any amount of time, and wanted some form of certainty, the certainty is that you will run into a man I know very well. We call him Murphy. Because his law is whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And he's the guy that's going to stick it to you more times than most. Most trips essentially are just dodging old Murph is the way I like to think about it. Now, this particular trip was a while ago, and I was filming for this show that I used to do called Apex Predator. We were down in Mexico, and we were kind of testing this theory of using like a wolf hide 
based off of a Catlin painting where Native Americans would use wolves to sneak in on elk because they would see humans and run, but their natural defense mechanism was to stay put when they see wolves because if they run, then the wolf would incite to chase and then that buffalo would essentially be dead. So I thought, let's try this old technique of putting a wolf hide, I only had a coyote hide, over my back and then sneaking in on these buffalo. Now, as you can imagine, that sounds like a recipe for interactions with old Murphy. <laughs> and it was. Nothing like on this trip really went as planned. I was just got done guiding in Montana and there was this one open window. So I flew down from Montana to Arizona, met up with some guys. They flew from all over parts of the country, some people from Colorado, another guy from I think Montana and New York and whatever. Everyone was kind of spread out. So we rent a, a vehicle in Arizona. And just to start this trip off, here's how it goes. Because we rented a off-road, like, four-by-four vehicle. And we show up, and essentially it's like this Dodge caravan car kind of thing. It is absolutely in no way, shape, or form like a good off-road vehicle. This thing, I don't, I've got to, I'm going to dig up a picture of this damn car. It was like, here's our vehicle to travel through the dusty off-roads of Mexico to this ranch down there that we were hunting and hunt like parts of this ranch in this tiny little car. And so I think we ended up getting an extra van as well, because there was absolutely no way we were going to all fit in this car and it had zero off-road capabilities, but the van was also not off-roadable. So we got those cars and full insurance, of course, or the best insurance they could give us for that. And we headed down across the border. We essentially got into Mexico with pretty much no incident, you know, the normal like border struggles, troubles, because we were had guns and had to stop. Um, I had a rifle because I was going to be coos deer hunting as well. So we were trying to kind of do these two episodes in, in one trip, coos deer, buffalo. So the old buffalo hunt, and uh, we kind of ended up without the off-road capabilities, had to park in one spot and do a lot of walking, which is fine. You know, maybe not necessarily fine when you're planning on like shooting a giant buffalo and trying to get it back to camp and everything yeah, very fairly quickly. But you know, we just took the lumps that were given us. So, of course, I think it was maybe the first day, just how this trip's starting out. Like, we're kind of scouting around, trying to figure out where we're going to hunt, where the buffalo are, whatever. And I've got my tripod and then, like, high-powered, 20-powered binoculars because it's perfect for glassing for that, like, long-distance glassing. Even for the buffalo, they could be hard to find. Big, open, like, kind of that desert, think of, like, southwest style country, lots of mesquite and whatever, and big area. And so the high-powered optics are really crucial for spotting stuff. So we're just like previewing the area, kind of taking the main roads that we could actually drive on, seeing how far we could get in certain places. And I was just trying to glass a long ways away, see if I could find a spot where it's like, okay, let's let's go check that spot out. And I get back in the car, shut the door, drive forward, and just... I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? <laughs> get out like right off the bat ran over my tripod and optics in the car <laughs> i was like well that sucks brand new pair of binoculars i was like man thank god they're vortex because they had a warranty on them <laughs> like sweet but sucks right so i'm like putting back these binoculars that i just ran over in our in our pos car and now we're gonna hunt so i'll kind of just fast forward through the hunt because 
some stuff went wrong, like stocked in, everything worked out. I ended up making like not a good shot with my bow and then ended up having to shoot buffalo with a rifle. So it was just a cluster. Like from the beginning, everything was just kind of just going the wrong way. Like whatever, you know, I keep, I, I'm the type of person, as things go wrong, just keep a good positive attitude. It's all good, whatever. So now we've got this buffalo down. It's like, awesome. Start butchering the buffalo, hanging the quarters up, packing it back to the vehicle, which was a lot further than it could have been if we had like an actual off-road vehicle that we were supposedly going to have. So now we get back and it's like, okay, now what? We've got a giant buffalo a lot of meat that we're going to bring back. Luckily, you know, I was prepared for this. So I had like a ton of Ziploc baggies. We had a lot of cellophane and there was a ranch house there that had electricity with a freezer that we could use. So that was all set up ahead of time, knew all this. So now it's butcher day going through butchering, cutting up large pieces of meat, just kind of chunking everything to where it wrapping it in the cellophane and then stuffing it in the Ziploc and freezing it. Now the plan is we had we actually had one big cooler, couple actually a couple big coolers that we were traveling down there with, you know, to, to store our stuff in anyways. So now we travel back across the border. We actually got across the border, no problems. Uh, you know, just showed all the paperwork and the meat and this, that, and the other thing. That was actually fairly seamless. Wasn't too bad. We're gonna fly back from Tucson. So we actually got a couple smaller coolers because we decided we we're going to split the meat up. Everybody, everybody that was on the crew is like working so hard and carried meat, like helped with the butchering. It's like, I was like, guys, this is our Buffalo. We're going to split this Buffalo four ways. It was like, everyone was pretty stoked on that. So we got some extra coolers so everybody could take their Buffalo, whatever home. Everything was still frozen, like sweet. So we get to the airport. There's like four of us, all this production gear, all this, and just coolers out the ass. Just a lot, a lot of meat. And then we got the news that something was wrong with the plane and our flight was going to be delayed. The flight out of Tucson. So we're like, okay, till when? You know, and we were all flying to different places too. So it shouldn't have been a problem, but there's some, I can't even remember what the deal was, but whatever happened was we weren't going to fly out that day. So like, oh crap. And we've got all this buffalo meat, but it's not going to last as long as this delay is. So we run back to Walmart, buy some dry ice, stack it in the coolers. We actually just called a bunch of hotels and asked any if they had a freezer. One of them finally had a freezer. So we chose that hotel. And we go to that hotel and we're like, hey, can we store some stuff in your freezer? They're like, yep. So we put these coolers in the freezer. Now we're waiting for a flight. The flight ends up being delayed a day and a half. But... We're like, all right, now it's, it's all good. Cool. We should be fine. We end up getting on our flight. I've got the Buffalo. I fly into my first stop. Should be not a problem. Salt Lake City. I'm like, sweet. Get to Salt Lake. Get off the plane. They're like, all flights are canceled to where I was going, which was Missoula. There was like this inversion in Missoula, and no flights had been going in and out for days. So it was just like too foggy to land. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, what are we going to do? I was like, I've got this buffalo, and it just cannot sit out in the airport for that long. So I end up renting a car, then driving from Salt Lake back up to where my truck was at the airport, dropping off the rental car. Awesome. Now I've got my truck and the buffalo. 
Now I realize, but I was not going, my final destination was not there. I had a 12 hour drive back to where I was going. So I get in my truck, the Buffalo is all in the truck and now I'm driving. I'm trying to keep this Buffalo frozen. I'm stop. I stop again, re-dry ice, refreeze everything. Finally get home. However many days it took us later, Buffalo fully intact, no meat spoilage, still all frozen. Good to go. No matter what those logistical things threw at me, I was definitely prepared enough to take care of all the problems, all the travel delays, all that stuff, and get the meat home completely safe, completely fine, and definitely had one of the best backstrap meals of wild game I've ever had shortly after my big old Buffalo Prime rib for Christmas a few days later. If I come to think about it, I would probably consider myself one of the world's foremost experts in traveling with game meat. I have traveled literally hundreds of thousands of miles via air and vehicle and every mode, boat, doesn't matter. Like I've honestly traveled every way, shape, and form with game meat. I mean, I've taken meat back from places as far as New Zealand and places that are hot like Hawaii or I've also even just from trips that are halfway across the state but driving six, eight hours in the summer. It's just it, if there's a scenario where I've had to process and take meat back, back country of Alaska from small planes to big planes to a couple different connection flights, I've done it. And because of that, I've kind of broken down some of the logistical thoughts that you need to think before every hunt where you're going, even if you're just going a few hours away, to make sure that you're going to get that meat home in good condition and not go bad. Over the years, I have never lost any meat while traveling, and I've had some major mishaps like things delayed, things lost, you know, just whatever you can encounter, I've probably encountered it. So I'm just going to go over a few of the logistical things that you should think about. Now, if we're talking about traveling with meat, I would say there's three options. So in these three options come into play, whether you're, you know, planning your hunt or already going on your hunt, whatever. So your option would be to drive, to ship, or to fly. And all these are broken down in kind of a cost slash pain in the ass factor. So let's start with drive. Driving is going to be the cheapest and probably in my opinion, the easiest logistically best way to go somewhere and get your meat back home, whatever. Now, the downside to driving is it takes time and it also may not fit into your schedule. Like if, you, if you're traveling and you got a 30-hour drive both ways, that's cutting into hunt time. I would say most of the time for me personally, if I'm going somewhere further away, I end up flying and a lot of the places maybe you can't even drive to. So it's just something to think about. That factors into the decision-making of the logistics of how you're getting there and how you're getting your meat back. I will say though, if you are driving, the best way is to obviously bring large coolers, or I've even seen guys that really prepare, bring a trailer that might have a freezer that they could plug in. The large coolers is great because what I do is if I am traveling a long ways, I'll then put the meat in the cooler and I'll use dry ice to keep it cool. Now, if I've processed it before I head home, 
I'll use the dry ice to freeze it. And to do that, you put the dry ice on top of whatever you want. So dry ice on top, that freezes it. Make sure you crack a vent in the cooler so you don't make a little cooler bomb and blow your truck up. <laughs> I don't know if it would actually blow your truck up, but, or to refrigerate, you use the dry ice actually on the bottom. So I'll put dry ice on the bottom of the cooler. I'll probably cover it with something like a piece of cardboard or whatever so it doesn't freeze what's right above it. And then I'll start stacking some meat in there. Another option, you can use wet ice. I just don't really like traveling long distances with wet ice because it gets that meat soaked in water. The best way to use wet ice would be use blocks on the bottom, set your meat on the top, and then pop that uh, drain plug open. So that way it's never really sitting fully in water but the dry ice or even just using dry ice on the bottom block ice and then the meat on top that kind of helps prevent it from melting so fast you can really find dry ice anywhere most a lot of grocery stores sell it um even i've found it at like a i don't know if it's like a national place but a place called norco it's like a, i think it's like a welding supply company but they sometimes have it you know, wherever I'm going on a hunt, even if I'm driving or whatever, I'll call a few places around before ahead of time and just say, Hey, do you guys sell dry ice, um, grocery stores, whatever, just to understand what I might need. Now, if they don't, I do have like a small chest freezer that I have thrown in and I can, you can plug that in when you're wherever you're at hotel, whatever at night, bring an extension cord. I've done that too, where I knew, Hey, I'm going for a while. It's going to be a long drive, maybe a couple day drive. I've got this freezer and I'm using it to keep everything frozen to keep it refrigerated. Maybe you didn't have time to butcher it. Then, you know, you're going to want to go with something like the cooler with ice or dry ice in it. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? Brake light fixed? Quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. 
Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, the next option is, wherever you're going, the shipping option. This is definitely the most expensive option, but it's definitely, I would say, the least pain in the ass. This is one I rarely do because it is so expensive. What it involves is finding a butcher shop or meat processing place near where you're hunting, dropping the meat off, and then having them ship it to you wherever you live. This is really good for people that are flying. The times that I have done this, places in Alaska, like with a moose, I just didn't have time or didn't really logistically prepare to have everything figured out ahead of time. So I dropped the moose off, had it processed, and then shipped back. After the price tag on that and my disappointment and how poorly everything was butchered, I kind of swore that off. But there are really good butchers and, and processors that do a great job, you know, you can have a great experience. Actually, for our, my outfitting business, my clients, we use a butcher nearby and it's incredible. I mean, I would take things there over doing it myself because they do such a good job. We, you know, we trust them with that job for a lot of our clients and they do a really good job with it. So there are pluses and minuses to that, but it is definitely the easiest, most thoughtless, best way to figure out logistics if you don't have a lot of time or don't have maybe extra time after to deal with all the meat. You got to think about when you're planning a hunt, you need to factor in days for taking care of meat or getting the meat home some way. And that is a huge part that I think people kind of forget about. They go on a hunt, they say, okay, I'm hunting from this day to this day and then flying out the next day. If you don't leave yourself some days to figure out the logistics and take care of the meat, then you're probably going to be in a situation where you go, oh crap, now what? I don't have time. I don't have the right things. This is a lot more than I thought. And you're probably going to run the risk of that meat going bad. So the shipping one, finding a good butcher. And then when you're talking about shipping, so the, most of the cost actually comes in, not necessarily from paying the butcher, which is a cost, but that's the kind of cost that I wouldn't necessarily mind. The cost that I do mind is those exorbitant shipping costs. So the reason that's so expensive is because a lot of them might have to ship overnight. So they'll freeze it, they'll box it up in 60 pound boxes, and then they overnight it. If you live, let's say you're hunting in Montana and you live in Minnesota, that's going to be a $600 bill to $1,000 to ship that meat back home. That can be crazy. Now think about being somewhere like Alaska or somewhere else. Man, we're talking some serious hefty price tags just to ship that meat back. So there's other options for shipping that you can figure out ahead of time. One's called air freight. Now, what air freight is, is it's essentially putting the baggage on a plane as luggage. Back in the day, you used to be able to air freight things yourself. You can no longer do that. So you have to go through a preferred or registered shipper. But in places like Alaska or maybe some other remote places, many of the meat processors actually 
are registered air freight shippers. You might even, maybe you're even doing a DIY hunt, but there's an outfitter in the area that might be registered air freight. You could connect with them, throw them a few extra bones to ship something air freight. That might be an option as well. Air freight is a lot cheaper. I've actually shipped like an entire moose back for under 200 bucks air freight. So there is a lot of options. I've shipped, yeah, actually a, a Roosevelt elk from a Fognac. One time I took one back on the plane. The other time we just air freighted it. The air freight option was definitely the best way to go. It was like a hundred bucks and it came back and I just had to pick it up at the airport a couple days later and everything was still frozen. I shipped it you know, in a, in a large cooler and it was perfect. Then the other option would be a ground shipping. The way that ground shipping is done would be everything's processed, packaged and frozen. And then it's put into say a large cooler with dry ice on the top, vented, and then shipped to ground. I don't suggest this way. It is the cheapest way you can do it. I have seen it done before. I mean, most of the time ground will get back in three to four days. I've seen it done. I guess I've done it once. I had no problems with it, but it just seems like a little dicey in my opinion. You have to have the dry ice labeled on there. You have to have everything labeled a certain way. There's restrictions for it, but it is another option to think about. So if you get somewhere, you've got everything processed, you've got a little bit of time, everything's frozen, you can ship it ground. It'll definitely save you some money there. So now we'll go into the third option, which would be fly. This is the way that I do most of my hunts because a lot of them might be in places I can't drive to or I don't have the time to drive and it just might be easier to fly. I think if you're flying somewhere for a hunt, in my opinion, the best way to take me back is just to fly it back with you. Now, it seems like a lot, yes, but I've got some tricks for making it a little bit better over the years. The first thing is, plan. Plan on bringing meat back and having time to take care of it before you go. You're also going to need some certain supplies. So those supplies include bags, some kind of bags, whether it's a freezer bag, Ziploc bag, um, vacuum seal bag, wrap, like cellophane wrap, and then some kind of cooler, and then freezer packs, and then extra, like extra large duffel bags and contractor garbage bags. So if you have all that stuff, you pretty much have everything you need to process. Then you're going to have to find a place wherever you're flying in or out of, you know, somewhere after the hunt, but maybe that has a freezer that you can use, whether it's a hotel, a motel, uh, maybe even a processor around the area that has freezer space, some kind of freezer, because that really helps with this whole process. And, And I'll give you some tips on if there is no freezer as well. So what I do is I try to Essentially, I mean, if I don't, there's not always time to process the meat, but what I will do is cut into large chunks and then I will bag and freeze. You know, you, you say, well, does that mess the quality of the meat to freeze because you're going to dethought when you get home and then reprocess, rebutcher it, whatever, clean it up and then freeze it again. It does a little bit, but you kind of have to weigh your options of what's better. Now, the best option for me is to butcher it wherever I'm at and then take it home. I think one thing that I've found is super helpful on a traveled hunt is 
Airbnb now. At the end of a hunt, I generally book like an Airbnb house somewhere because then I have room to butcher. I have a kitchen and I have a freezer. And for the, you know, I'm going to need a place to stay anyways after the hunt. So for the price of that, it's way easier to take care of everything doing it that way, going that route. I'm a huge fan of like at the end of the hunt, having a day or two at an Airbnb to just clean everything up, to package it, to get everything ready. So when I go home, it's easy. And I'm saving money on processing costs. I'm saving money on shipping costs. And I'm saving probably time and money on the drive as well. So that's a great way to think about it. What I do is I actually bring, I've got um, one of these made with meat, like vacuum sealers, just like a standard vacuum sealer. And I bring that in my luggage on my hunt with me when I fly in. And then I have vacuum bags as well. So I have that. I'll take like a, I've got like a Gerber fillet knife, like a fish fillet knife. That's what I butcher with like a six inch blade. And then, you know, you have your, I'll bring like a soft sided Yeti cooler. I've got like this one that's a backflip. It's a backpack. So when I'm flying somewhere, I have that as my carry on. And then I put my meat in that afterwards. It fits about a, a whole butchered deer anything extra over that I'll actually just put in garbage bags in my duffel bag and then frozen. And then you think like, okay, well, will that last? Yeah. So that's what the freezer packs are for. I'll use the freezer packs in that duffel. And then honestly, it's really cold underneath the plane. And I actually intentionally fly Alaska airlines a lot because they do have cold storage in a couple of their hubs. So you say, Hey, this is frozen. They'll slap a frozen sticker on it. And when it lands, if you get stuck or it has to sit, they'll just go put that in a freezer for you. And a lot of people don't realize that. So even down to choosing the airline that I'm going to use, I try to find one that's pretty friendly with that kind of stuff. Now, let's say you don't have a lot of time, like you get it the last, like how many times do you get something the last day and you don't have a lot of time to process or whatever. Maybe you don't have time to freeze or you can't find somewhere that has freezer. Then what I do is I, I wrap it in the cellophane. I take the meat, I cut it into chunks, wrap it in the cellophane. I bag it in either my Ziplocs or the vac- if you got the vacuum sealer thing down, bring that, seal it up. And then I will f- I'll bring like these freezer packs, Yeti ice, different kinds of freezer packs. You know, it's like that blue liquid freezer things. I'll bring a couple of those in my bag because... I've found that they're nearly impossible to find somewhere on a hunt. There's been times where I'm like, oh, I'll just buy one wherever I'm at. They're always unfrozen, can't find them. So if I bring some with me, then I get a hotel room or a motel or a Airbnb. I can throw those in the freezer and get those frozen for the trip home. Then I will put that meat in my cooler with those frozen freezer packs in with it. And for the duration of most flights, that's always been enough to get me home. Now, the things you have to worry about, you can fly with meat. The only thing you can't have is something that starts to leak. So if you have something that leaks and starts is leaking blood places, that's going to get pulled out and thrown away. So that's why I wrap it in cellophane, I bag it, and then I put everything in like a garbage sack if I'm sticking it in my luggage with those freezer packs. And then I have them put the frozen stickers on it, keep it in the cold part of the plane. And I've never had anything go bad probably the longest would be like a 30, 35 hour journey. And almost 90% of everything that I've had frozen ahead of time is still frozen when I get back. And then things that might be slightly defrosted are still extremely cold. So that's the way that you can fly with it, thinking ahead of time, planning it out and having those items where you can say, okay, I'm going to butcher it at the end of my trip, whether it's out in the field, cut it up, bag it into just chunks of meat that you can process later at home 
as far as the grind goes, I just do like when I'm cutting it up, I do my big cuts of steaks. However, I like to butcher it, you know, however much time I have depends on how minute my cuts go. And then just one big bag of grind, that bag of grind, I tend to freeze. And then I actually just defrost it and grind it later in the year, whenever I've got time back at home. So if you follow those steps and kind of think about it logistically, think about your options ahead of time, and then ways to bring it back, you know, you're, you're going to be a lot better off. I will say the flying way, you know, you just check that meat now is extra luggage and it is a lot cheaper than shipping it. Having done it multiple ways over the years, I've kind of factored out the prices for myself and my clients and whatever. If you're flying, that's the cheapest way to bring it back with you. The easiest way is to ship it and to avoid all those headaches in the beginning, just drive to your hunting location. I think with that logistical knowledge, you're well on your way to taking whatever meat you get wherever you are back home safely. It's that time of year, you know, a lot of people are either gearing up or already heading out. So I hope that you guys find a lot of success and please keep those success stories coming. I mean, I've really been enjoying seeing that. You can always reach me at Remy Warren on Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active. You can follow along on some of my hunts and I'd love to see how you guys are doing it. It really is awesome to get tagged in those photos and see your guys' success and the tactics that you've been using or, or ways that you've been successful. So I really appreciate that. Keep that coming. You know, I like to mention too, you know, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, share it on social media or whatever you got, whatever you want to do. I really appreciate that. Feel free to, to subscribe and comment and give us a good rating. That just only helps fuel the podcast for the future. So I really appreciate everybody that does that. Thank you very much. And coming up, we're going to be just going into some more like advanced hunting tactics, covering things like glassing midday, some strategies for deer and, and other things, you know, keep those questions coming in because that really fuels the direction of where we go. If I start getting a lot of questions about something, this particular topic was something that I got a lot of questions on. How do I get home with elk meat? How do I get home with deer meat going on my first hunt? How do I do this? How do I do that? I love that kind of stuff because it, it really gives this podcast a direction for the most of you out there thinking about it, listening, you know, I want this to be helping make you better and kind of covering the topics that you really want covered. So feel free to reach out anytime. I always appreciate it. I always appreciate your input and thank you very much until then keep that meat on ice. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.